We're going to be in the book of John chapter 13 today, John chapter 13. Last week, we've been in a series called Daring. We talked about the fact, I guess the way I could most succinctly put it is that we were born to live in daring intimacy with an intimate God. Out of intimacy, out of, out of an intimate God, we were created to live in daring intimacy with him. Today, we're going to talk about and take the next step. I said last week, we're going to talk about the difficulty sometimes that we have. And we're created to live in daring intimacy with an intimate God. We're also called to live and we're created for living in daring intimacy with one another. And we're going to discuss that today. Let's first read John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. He was spending some time with them, and he had gathered with them, and he was like literally sitting down and having dinner with them. So he wasn't just in, in relationship with them. He was relating to them in a very personal space, in a very personal way in this moment. And it says, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, Jesus, got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, Simon Peter, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. The goal today and the goal in our life, as I just prescribed, is that we would live in daring intimacy with God, but we'd also live in daring intimacy with one another. Now, I just very quickly wanted to find intimacy because we defined it last week. And so if you didn't see the message from last week, you can go onto our YouTube channel and you can see it. But I want us to all be on the same page. I'm going to define intimacy because in last week's message, what I did is I, I helped clear up what intimacy is not. And so I, I really recommend that you go back and watch that. Intimacy is a close, familiar, and usually affectionate or loving personal relationship with another person. Intimacy involves, now there's some parameters. This is what intimacy involves. Intimacy involves the experience of safety, vulnerability, and being deeply known. So simply put, intimacy is to know and to be known. The intimacy is not one-sided. Intimacy is, it's reciprocal. It's give and take. Then I'm going to know and I'm going to be known. And you and I were created to live in daring intimacy with one another. Daring intimacy with God, daring intimacy with one another. Now, here's the problem. There's an obstacle to daring intimacy with one another. And it's called offense. Here's the obstacle that stops you and I oftentimes in our tracks of living in daring intimacy with other people. It's offense. Now, I'm going to define offense. It's annoyance or resentment 
brought about by a perceived insult. Now I want to stop for a second. I want to draw attention to the word perceived. Okay? It's an annoyance or resentment brought about by a perception of insult. Either to you or a disregard for oneself or one's standards or principles. Okay, this is, if you just, if you looked it up, this is very simply how the word offense is defined. Now I want to give you a spiritual definition of offense. When you see the word offense in the New Testament, oftentimes it's the word that we get uh, what we would call scandalize or scandal from. An offense is a scandal. And when I think of a scandal, have you ever heard somebody in the news that was caught up in a scandal? Okay, so this is the picture. I want, I, I want you to envision this. I want you to see this for a second. An offense is oftentimes, I love Pastor Jeff this last week, as we were prepping for this, we were talking, and he said offense is actually a fence. It's a barrier. When you're caught up in a scandal, when you're caught up in a fence, this is the spiritual definition. A false boundary. The enemy attempts to trap us within to limit our heart's capacity for daring intimacy. This is what the ploy of the enemy is. To present to you and I an obstacle that we feel like we're trapped in and we can't get around so that we can walk in the daring intimacy with one another that we were created for. You were not created to be alone. One of the most prevalent things happening right now in society, I can tell you, is high levels of loneliness that bring high levels of anxiety, separation, isolation, And we're watching this play out. We're watching this play out in a lot of ways. This last year didn't help those things that were already prevalent in society, especially in America. And offense is a way that the enemy wants to separate us and put these false boundaries around us to trap us. The spirit of offense is crippling culture and it's creating chaos in our communities. Now, what I love about this is, is that you and I don't have to believe in Jesus, don't have to have a faith in a God, don't even have to be from the same place, don't have to speak the same language, don't have to make the same amount of money, don't have to live the same lifestyle to be able to make this statement that is 100% true for every single human. You have offended and you have been offended in life. We are all in this together. There are moments in your life that you have offended and you've been offended. But today, I want to help us discover the power of daring forgiveness so that we can defeat the spirit of offense. Let's define the word forgive. I want to say first and foremost, forgive. I, I've been in a lot of counseling sessions. I've, I've been in it for myself. I've counseled a lot of people. And here's a great question, and you may even think this. Does forgiving mean forgetting? I want to tell you something. You are not going to forget a lot of things. But forgetting is not the same as forgiving. Forgiving. 
The word forgive in the Old Testament means to take up, take away, or to pardon. Now, when this is written in the Old Testament, you see this word forgive, that God is always the subject of the one doing the pardoning in the Old Testament. God is always the subject. And, and what God is doing is setting a foundation for you and I to know that ultimately we need the forgiveness, the pardoning, the taking up, and the taking away of our sins from Jesus Christ. And only God can reconcile that. He could, he's the only one that could forgive the original offense that was perpetrated in the garden by this, this wonderful guy named Adam and, and his beautiful wife Eve that were made to live in daring intimacy with one another and daring intimacy with God. And there was a fence that became an obstacle. And God has been pursuing us with forgiveness. And he's the only one in the Old Testament when you read, anytime you read about forgiveness, God's the only one that can do that pardoning. In the New Testament, it means to be gracious, to give freely. And what this is predicated on is the simple fact that because God sent his son Jesus Christ as forgiveness for you and I to reconcile the offense, we now are able to be gracious and to give freely. We're able to give freely the one thing that was given freely to us, and that's forgiveness. Forgiveness is there for giving. Forgiveness isn't something we receive and we hold on to and we go, man, it's so good, I'm forgiven. <laughs> You've been forgiven so that you can release forgiveness, okay? Jesus, in this story that I just read, shows this amazing example, this great example of daring intimacy fueled by his daring forgiveness by being preemptive. Number one, daring forgiveness is preemptive. The best way to stay out of trouble is to never get in trouble in the first place. When I was a kid, I used to run around at the beach all the time. Now my mom is here, and so I'm not thrown under the bus for this, but there was no really such thing as sunblock when I was a kid, growing up at the beach. In fact, it was the opposite, okay? I, I'm, I'm on the lighter side of the melanin spectrum, if you know what I'm saying, okay? And uh, all the mamas would take and put, like, copper tone oil, baby oil sometimes, on us and say, you need to go out in the sun at summertime, Go out and you need to get a good base layer, a good tan. And there was no protection. There was no preemptive sun blocking. And I remember moments I would have blisters on my back and my back would peel, right? And that was, but that, that don't worry about cancer. <laughs> We're just getting a good base layer. We only need you to blister once, <laughs> right? It's like you're baking me so deeply. Like, I, I, I want to tell you the best way to, to stay protected, the best way to block the sun, the best way to keep from being burnt by a fence is to be preemptive and blocking it. And daring forgiveness is preemptive. And Jesus shows us this. In fact, the goal of daring forgiveness is to have a forgiving heart and being preemptive before you even need your heart to be forgiving. <laughs> you want me to say that again? The goal of daring forgiveness is to have a forgiving heart before there's even an offense to forgive. We need to train our hearts. So before, before there's even a need for it, I want to prepare my heart. Jesus, in this story, what was he doing? He was preemptively walking through the stages of forgiveness. How? 
He was washing the offenses of Peter's denial and Judas's betrayal. He was washing them away preemptively before they even committed the offenses. Peter had not denied and Judas had not betrayed and Jesus was washing it away. Jesus' heart, he was coming from a position, I call, I call this his ability to ready his heart and steady his heart. We need a ready heart so that we can steady our hearts. Because too often we're, 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 getting, we're, we're seeing these offenses and we don't have a steady heart. The best thing we can do is have a ready heart. I want to tell you something. You're living this side of heaven with other humans. You are going to deal with offense. You need to ready your heart and steady your heart. This is, all of us have this in common. Second Corinthians 10, I love this. This is something practical that God gives us that we can utilize as a weapon because whether you know it or not, you are embattled in a war. You are embattled in a war over your heart that the enemy that I call the devil from the beginning of creation has been after you and has been wanting to divide and wants to break the intimacy that you were created to live in. And so we need weapons, but we need to acknowledge we're in a war. So this weapon, it says, the weapon we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension, or may I say every perception as well. We demolish them. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here, here's what we do. Here's our act of war right here with the enemy when it comes to being preemptive and our daring forgiveness. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to who? Christ. Not my feelings. Well, I just feel. Our feelings, please, don't let your feelings be your anchor. Jesus felt the offenses. I want you to know something. I am not saying to you as humans that we're not going to feel offenses. You're, you're going to feel it. You're human. If I walked up to you right now and I punched you in your throat, you would feel it. But I, I just want to acknowledge, we do this very weird thing sometimes in, in like practices of spiritual things where we say, you know, you, you shouldn't feel. Why did God give me nerves and nerve endings? You're going to feel it. But we're going to ready our heart, we're going to steady our heart, and we're going to take these thoughts captive. See, with a ready and a steady heart, this allows me to perceive a potential offense. I see it cerebrally. I perceive this potential offense. But it allows me to also properly place it in prison. That word take captive means to imprison. It allows me to imprison that and place it at the feet of Jesus Christ to judge. When I walk with daring forgiveness preemptively, this is what it allows me to do. It allows me to walk free of the burden of carrying offense. You may feel it, but you were not made to carry it. Jesus Christ has carried every offense that was, every that is, and every that ever will be. 
for the rest of eternity. He carried it on the cross the day that he looked to the Father and he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Jesus Christ was preemptive. He preemptively loved you. He preemptively actually has given you true freedom. You know the offense that you're going to commit tomorrow morning that you don't even know that you're going to commit? Jesus Christ has already freely, preemptively forgiven you for it. Number two, daring forgiveness is an exercise of authority. Jesus had authority over this spirit of offense, but because Jesus does, I also want to tell you, so do you. You are not powerless in this fight. You have the power because of the authority we've been given in Jesus' name to exercise that authority over the spirit of offense. In John 13, 3, we just read this. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over what? Everything. (laughs) You mean to tell me even the offenses that are laid at my feet on a daily basis? Yes. That's what I'm saying. Authority simply means that you have the power to exercise choice. You have the power to exercise choice. The moment that we walk and we say, well, I don't have a choice. We are not walking in the power of authority that we were created to walk in. Judas was going to offend Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He exercises authority by choosing, by predetermining that he would not partner with offense, although he would feel it. You will feel offense, but you do not have to pick it up. Offenses will be laid at your feet. I'm going to tell you this is life. I want you to know. Offenses have been laid at the feet of humanity and will continue to be laid at your feet every single time you turn. You have, through daring forgiveness, preemptively in your heart, the ability to exercise an authority to not partner with it. You have a choice. You are not powerless. There are things that will occur to you in your life. If you're a control freak, it's really hard because you can't control what other people do. But let me tell you the good news about being a control freak. You can control your response. Be controlling. We need to exercise authority. Probably the biggest way that we know that we've picked up this offense is if we begin statements with these two words. I am. You can feel offended, but you don't have to be offended. Jesus felt the offenses, but he did not have to walk in the identity of the offenses. And we have to be careful. When we start making statements that says, I am, and then you fill in the blank, what you're doing is you're actually partnering with and taking on a spirit of an an identity that you were not created to walk in. I want to tell you something. You were chosen. You were perfectly and wonderfully made. You have purpose. You have reason in life. There's an authentic you. There's a genuine you that's undisputed before the Father, 
that the enemy wants to trip us up and he wants us to walk in a new identity. The enemy wants, to walk, wants us to walk in this new identity of I am offended. <laughs> I'm gonna pick, every time offense hits my feet, I'm just gonna pick it up and I'm, I'm offended. Nice to meet you, I'm Pat. I'm offended. <laughs> that is not your identity. This is, this is powerful. If we, if we can grab a hold of this, this is powerful. There, there are power in those words. And so I'm not going to partner with offense. I'm going to feel it, but I'm not going to partner with it. Amen? Luke 10, 19 says, look, I've given you authority over all. This is you. This is Jesus talking to like people. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. How much of the power of the enemy? All of it. You know what this tells me? The enemy does have power, but he only has power if I don't exercise authority. All I have to do is stand and walk in the identity I was created in, which is child and son of God, and walk underneath the authority of Jesus' name. And the moment that I do that, the enemy actually has no response. There's nothing he can do. Listen to the rest of this. It says, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. We are walking among snakes and scorpions and we are being injured to the left and to the right in society as communities have become chaotic because we're partnering with the spirit of offense. And this is not a war against you and I. It's not a war against Democrat and Republican. It's not a war against rich and poor. It's not a war against black and brown and white. It's not a war against America and the rest of the global powers. This is a spiritual war and offense is right in the middle of it. And we have the opportunity to exercise an authority that is your God-given authority to trample on these scorpions and venomous snakes that the enemy wants to bring at us. But the promise is nothing will actually harm you and I. You know, if I don't put the snake on, he can't harm me. Like a constrictor, right? If I, if I don't wrap myself up in that boa constrictor, if I don't partner with it, how can I be choked out by that offense? I've been given the ability and the authority to step over it. Let me say it this way. There's no reason to dwell on what Christ has already deemed dead. You see, when those offenses are laid at your feet, I want you to know something. Those offenses are what we would call DOA, dead on arrival. Those offenses are dead before you because of the authority that you've been given, because of the preemptive, daring forgiveness that you're going to walk in and that I'm going to walk in that Jesus gave us this great example for. But too often what we do is we walk offended upon arrival. You know when you get up on that Monday morning and you're just having a hard day? I'm just going to throw myself under the bus here. I'm a little grumpy in the kitchen. You know, I'm like, I, I, you know someone sets something down on the counter. I'm like, why are you in my way? And they're like, what is your problem? I'm like, I should just say to them overtly, I'm sorry, I was offended upon arrival. So, so you doing something completely, uh, the word I want to use is innocuous. It, it has no harm. There's no poison in it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to wear it as offense. You set your cup down next to me, and I, that's offensive to me. You know, someone looks at you wrong, like, what are you looking at? Why are you looking at me that way? 
Guys, we're, we're like up here right now, walking, offended upon arrival in our society. We make snap judgment, perceptions of people. We assume a lot. And it's unfair, but it's because, really it's because we're walking into it offended on arrival, but we need to not dwell on the things that Christ has deemed dead. And we need to look at, can I tell you, you need to, you need to preach at your offenses. You need to get like, I'm gonna get up in the morning and I'm gonna say, devil, your offenses are dead on arrival to me this morning. You aren't gonna get me. I'm gonna drive down the 78 freeway and when that person drives really slow in the fast lane and I'm doing like, God, forgive me right now for this admission. I'm doing 95 in the fast lane. I'm like, this is the fast lane. Move over to the right. Move over to the right. I drive by, pass them, and I'm like, Gah. I give them the Jesus fist. Because if I didn't have Jesus, there'd be a finger flying. So we call that the Jesus fist, right? I'm like saying, I'm not like power to you. I'm like, yeah, you're lucky I got Jesus. You're lucky I got tinted windows and you can't see. God bless you, though. I'm a pastor. <laughs> yeah, bless you. <laughs> bless you. I'm offended. How many of you right now need to look at the devil in the face and say, Devil, I refuse. I'm going to be daring in my forgiveness. I'm going to be preemptive, but I refuse. I'm going to exercise authority and I'm going to trample on the offenses that are laid at my feet, but I'm going to, I'm going to refuse. Today, devil, I'm going to refuse and I'm going to call what Christ has deemed dead. I'm not going to dwell on. I'm going to say, you're, I'm sorry, sucker, you're dead on arrival. We all, remember this, we all feel offenses, but with a ready and a steady heart. We no longer have to partner with those offenses. Now, here's the problem. For some of you, first and foremost, I want you to know the result, before we get to the problem, we're gonna talk about this problem next week. The result of this, preemptive, daring forgiveness, walking in the authority of it, here's the result. You are gonna live unchained, not in slavery any longer. You're gonna live in a freedom that you've never experienced in your life, that you were created for. You were not created to be burdened by these things. The result of preemptive daring forgiveness, daring forgiveness that exercises authority is true freedom. We all need this freedom. We need this freedom in our communities, in our homes, in the streets. Now for some of you, you might be saying, well, Pat, what do I do if I've already partnered with some offenses? We're gonna talk about that next week. We need to, today, we need to set the stage to say from here forward, let's just stop the onslaught. So, so we, we had to get some weaponry to stop the onslaught. So we need to stop what's happening. The next week, we're gonna deal with the baggage that we are already carrying. We're gonna talk about that. 
we're, and, and we're going we're gonna to break up with offense. This is going to be the best breakup you've ever experienced in your life. You were, listen, you're not going to feel lonely. You're not going to be like, I miss, I miss that so much. That's not, it's not going to be what you're going to say. You're going to be thanking God for the power that we've been given to break up with offense. Here's some ways that you can know that you're going to want to come back next week. And you're going to want to hear this. This is, this, this is some, here, here, just a, a quick glimpse into next week. Here's some ways you know that you might be partnered with offense. You have a sense of entitlement. You deserve it. Extremely frustrated with individuals, people, things, places, corporations, governments, political officials. You exercise freakish control over things. Anger. You demand respect rather than commanding it. Gossip. is a sure sign. Whenever someone gives you feedback, it's time to fight back. And in general, you're just downright defensive. You were not created for this and we're gonna go after it. Today, we're changing the game. Devil, your offenses are DOA. We're going to ready our heart and steady our heart. Amen. Stand with me this morning. I always want to leave you with a couple practical things. So here's two very practical things, very simple. You can do anything how many times? One time. You can do anything one time. I don't care if it's a one-time marathon. Yes, it's 26.2 miles, but it's one marathon. Listen. This is a battle over your mind. We need to have strong minds. You can do anything one time. If it's hard, it's worth it. This is, this is not easy, but it's worth it. I think this morning, so I want you to just close your eyes. This is personal to you. I think this morning is the best time ever to ask God to forgive you for all of your offenses that you've committed, you've laid before him and before other people. Let's deal with ourselves first. It begins with you. Ask God to forgive you. God, forgive me for just offending you. <laughs> Laying these things down. God, for forgive me for the offenses that I've laid at people's feet. And this is what I would like you to do. Every day this week, I want you to do one thing. One week. You can do anything for one week. You can do one thing. This is literally going to take you one minute. It's your one-minute challenge. Now, this is key because you need to be preemptive about your daring forgiveness. You're going to wake up every morning, and the first thing you're going to do is you're going to ready your heart, and you're going to steady your heart. You're going to sit with God, and you're going to say, God, thank you for forgiving me. And I ask that you would fill my heart and overwhelm me with a spirit of forgiveness that when a fence is laid at my feet, I trample on it. I say, devil, 
your offenses are dead on arrival to me. And we're doing this before the offenses are even laid. You're going to ready your heart and you're going to steady your heart. Now this morning, if you need prayer because of offense, this is striking a chord. Come forward. If you're offended about my suggestions about how to deal with offense, you, you need to come forward because you're offended. Amen? Are we good? Lord, bless us. Ready our hearts. Steady our hearts. Come back next week. Bring a friend. Tell a friend or family member to tune in. You're not going to want to miss this. Over the next two weeks, we're going to dismantle and destroy the plans of the enemy. And we're going to walk in daring intimacy as we exercise daring forgiveness. Amen? Amen and amen.